Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching, and a welcome to a spring cleaning series. It is just about spring, friends. Amanda is anticipating a great snow melt. I am anticipating no longer wearing my snow clothes when it's 60 degrees out because it will be 70, and I'll just be wearing like a, like a windbreaker instead because it's still a little brisk at 70. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to you right now. <laughs> if you are new to the podcast, I live in San Diego and Amanda lives in Chicago. And a lot of our conversations are about weather. Because <laughs> it's just amazing. Like we, we're not in the clear, like it's still possible that it will snow on Easter out here. <laughs> Spring is such a weird, it's also one of my favorite seasons though, because even though that might happen, like it's going to disappear the next day because the next day is probably going to be 70. So like we can get snow one day and then 70 the next, and it's all kinds of twisted and crazy. But the anticipation for me is like mother's day, mother's day, mother's day. Cause that is our official farmer's almanac last anticipated date of frost. So that's when all my plants go out is mother's day. So that, that's the real countdown. That's you're waiting for May. And like, I have had 90 degree mother mother's days. Like it's been like, mm. where anything and everything we decided to like early, early on or like in spring plant just gets fried because they're like not ready for it. They haven't been acclimated to heat because it's so stinking hot. We are talking about none of these things today on this podcast episode, except that we're talking about spring, spring cleaning, not so much of our houses, but more of our teaching practices. You know, I do a huge classroom spring clean out because it's necessary by that time. Like I'm like a little pack rat all winter long and I just keep all of the random papers I don't need. And then it's like a big recycle party in the spring. Good for you. I don't do Yeah. That. You're just staring at me. So I was like, is she going to jump in? No. Are we gonna? Are we talking? <laughs> Is this a back and forth? How much I hate cleaning and spring cleaning. Oh, I don't, got I it. Don't, I do like being on the other side of it, but it just it gives yeah. me so. Once I. Yes. Once I start, it is the most freeing, like, and this goes away. And and I like doing digital cleanouts and just like getting rid of files. Inevitably, I'm upset with myself for getting rid of something I shouldn't have because I get a little overzealous, but that's okay. That's a podcast for another day. Today, we're talking our first of a three-episode series on spring cleaning. Today, we are talking about instructional practices and strategies. Next week, we're going to be talking about spring cleaning our texts and topics. And then the third one in the series is going to be about spring cleaning curriculum and activities. What let's do we mean, though? Bizarre. Yeah, let's, you know. Let's so let's take- talk about what we mean by this. What do we mean by spring cleaning our instructional practices and strategies? 
Well, when we were talking about this in, in our planning, you know, of the of the podcast and where we're going, we had kind of gotten stuck on this conversation about this time of year. So again, our friends who are in the Southern Hemisphere, this is probably not going to help you right now. But the idea is that, you know, mid second semester, right, springtime, you're pretty close to the end, which means you've done everything. And everything feels a little stale, old, overdone. uh, And you're just kind of like, I, I feel like you want new ideas. Because if you slow down right now, yep, it's over. They're going to eat you alive. I mean, it's, it's terrible. You getting to the finish line is work. And so we thought like, how can we help teachers just kind of refresh some old things, slap some, you know, a fresh coat of paint on a a strategy that's not going to be a huge effort, but it will definitely liven things back up as right. The ground comes back to life too. Oh, I like what you did there. Well done, Cardinus. Waking things up, right? I like it. Mother Nature. It's kind of like, yeah, like what are the oldies but goodies? What can yeah. you lean back on that that needs fresh eyes that you just haven't done in a while? Like we're not talking about expending a huge amount of energy oh. on something that is brand new unless you're super into it. Sometimes I get a little pep in my step towards the end, but like – not this year. <laughs> so we are just being really practical about things that we have done before or things that are similar to things that we have done before that can breathe a little bit of fresh air into our classrooms. And today we're talking about delivering instruction with different practices and strategies. And actually, members of Happy Hour, this month we're talking about the good old jigsaw, that strategy. So if you are A member of Happy Hour, make sure that you are paying attention to your feed for the podcast because on Fridays this month, you've got some great jigsaw uses. The jigsaw is underutilized in my own classroom because I kind of forget about it sometimes. Um, But today we've got some really good ones for you right here, right now. But first, we have to cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Okay, friends, when it comes down to talking about instructional practices and strategies and doing a spring cleaning, I feel like the first thing that we have to do is purge a little bit. By this time of the year, I need to purge stations. I've been doing (laughs) – when I start putting my little place cards around the room, students like go, oh, my God, stations. And a lot of it's because they just don't want to move their butts. And like when they see stations, they know that they're going to have to move every eight to 10 minutes or so. And they get all crotchety about it. And like, I need to purge stations. I need to purge quick rights as the beginning of a week. Like they've just, it works really great until it gets old. What do you have to purge? Oh man, I didn't 
think about it. I think I, I know think, I just slapped you with this one, didn't I? Well, it's a good, I mean, it's good. I think, I think my answer is though that I don't, and I should, because <laughs> that's probably part of what makes teaching this type what I do honestly is I keep trying to do brand new things thinking mm. that that's the answer to re right enlivening the discussion and, and bringing things back to life is that I'm going to expend uber amounts of effort to make things completely squeaky clean and new rather than digging into the good oldies but I don't purge anything well I I don't purge anything ever in like the non-metaphorical sense of this cup, this question either. So that, that checks out that I don't purge anything. Right, right, right. No, this all tracks. This tracks. Mm-hmm. This tracks mm-hmm. very well. Well then. Okay. So theoretically we've purged, right? Theoretically we've purged physically. We've purged <laughs> mentally. We've purged. I have purged the things that I've been doing over and over and over and over and over again. And maybe I'm bringing back then the things that I've only done once. Maybe I've done a couple of times. Maybe it is new to my students, but it's not new to me. Like for me, that's the most important part is it's not something that's new to me, but it's refreshed. And so I'm not wondering for any given strategy, how are students going to react? I've got it pretty dialed into my like teaching practice. I just haven't done it with these kids a whole ton. And then like I can bring these things in. So what are some things that you like to bring in that you think could help our listeners with some good spring cleaning refresh? Yeah. So speaking of stations. <laughs> <laughs> but but like it's the use of it, right? It's yes, it can be centers. It can be whatever. But it's the use and the way that we do it. Right. So for me, like spring, and this is going to be common, like I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to say this all over the place in these three episodes. For us, it is a very, like we experience all four seasons here in the Midwest. And the spring really is a season where I feel like we need to make an effort for movement. And even though the kids don't want to, um, I feel like a lot of my strategies and texts and the things that I'm going to talk about are centered on this idea of physically getting back like alive in the classroom. And Mm -hmm. so this is not stations, but one thing that I I love to do is a version of that. And it's a scavenger hunt. And so what I do with a scavenger hunt is basically stations, but spread throughout the school or spread throughout a new area. So one year I did a scavenger hunt in the library. One time I did it like kind of like in the hallways that were close to my room. And the scavenger hunt basically sends students to various stations to acquire information, to put it on a handout and then bring it back for a debrief. And so it's not, I guess it's not really a scavenger hunt. It's a spread out stations activity. Uh, My favorite way of using it is with our good old friend, Flat Shakespeare. Um, Love Flat Willie. (laughs) So, so again, like you don't have to do this with Flat Shakespeare, but I like to use him. Like I hide 25 of him around the school and every Flat Shakespeare is numbered. So when you find number 17 Flat Shakespeare and you flip him over, there's a QR code on the back and you scan the QR code. The kids learn about iambic pentameter. They jot down a couple notes on their student handout sheet and then they go find the next flat Shakespeare until they found all the Shakespeare's scanned all the codes filled in the whole sheet and we come back to class and we debrief and like that's one that I like to use as a way of like doing pre-reading Shakespeare and covering a lot of territory quickly yeah yeah and and not spending seven days on introducing Shakespeare because what it, what it really lets me do is it's very like 
basic knowledge. But what I really want to know is where are the holes? And that's, that lets me like, it informs me with where I should spend my instructional time and it gets them up and moving. So like I, the kids come back and everyone knows X, Y, and Z, but they were like, huh, what is blank verse? And I decide, well, how much does it matter that they know what blank verse is? You know? And so anyway, it works for a lot of different topics, but take your stations, make them a little bit smaller, spread them out, have a cute little doodle if you can. And let them go wild. Well, it's it's literally just taking like so. Let's say okay, my intro to Shakespeare stations, right? Like that we've talked about so many different times. Five different stations, but make it fifteen, and each station has three steps along the way, and then it's a big scavenger hunt. Yep. So it's like the perfect example of like what the spring cleaning is supposed to be. Like it's an oldie that we've taken out, shined it up a little yep. bit. And then, well, and for me, like I, the movement part is super important. I've had yeah. teachers do it. They said it's, it's really good to do it. If you can get your library space, it's awesome. There's lots of places you can hide your, either your index cards or whatever you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, always are, you know, every school's different, but I like it. And the kids like it and they're on their own. And it's just a great day to watch them just do their thing. And it's useful information for you moving forward into whatever the unit might be. Yeah, it's a great shakeup. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. This episode is brought to you by Curriculum Rehab by us, the team here at Brave New Teaching. It is the first and only teacher PD of its kind, a course to help teachers like you by guiding you through creating your own personal framework for curriculum. You make it work for you, your students, and your unique situation because nobody else knows what the kiddos in your classroom need the way that you do. Curriculum Rehab takes all of the resources available to you, all of the lessons, the assessments, the activities, all of the texts, everything that could possibly be there for you, and it helps you organize what you actually need in order to attain your teaching objectives. These are the strategies that Amanda and myself have used in our own classrooms, have developed over very long years of teaching and figuring things out combined together to create this framework and these strategies that we can guide you through. This course will give you the tools you need for a complete curriculum overhaul or to start from scratch. Wherever you are on that continuum, it does it all for you and with you on your timeline. So start today, do a little bit more in a couple of months, and then pick it up next summer. It's Teacher PD the way it should be on your own time. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash course for more information, or just head to the show notes for this episode. We cannot wait to see you there. It's finally time to take control of what goes on in your own classroom and create the curriculum of your dreams. All right, let's get back into the show. Yeah, what about you? What's another one? Well, I this is not my idea. It comes from our good friend Abby Gross from Right On with Miss G. She was on just a few weeks ago talking to a man about independent reading. And I had forgotten about this until I saw an Instagram post that she left like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago that I saw. Uh, question trails. It's a similar idea to what Amanda has, but question trails can be set up in various spaces, like various sizes. It could be in your own room. It can be virtual, but I do like the big spread out, especially if we're talking spring and we're talking good weather, like go outside and set up a question trail around your quad. If that's something that you've got available. Um, It always freaks Amanda out friends that I have outdoor hallways in my school because it's San Diego and we have outdoor hallways. (laughs) And I think it's so weird to spend your entire day in one single building. Like that would be so weird. 
inside. Yeah. Bizarre. How does a question trail work? I've done, I've done them before, but what are you, when you talk about them, what does a question trail look like? It's funny that you brought up Shakespeare. I like to do question trails kind of um, – I've never actually used them at the beginning. I've used them as a review. Um, I like to use question trails. So question trails, sim- very simply, but like you should go to Ride On With Miss G on her um, – we'll, we'll link it in our show notes, but either her blog or in her Instagram too, she's got some really good stuff, but basically you start out a question. It's got multiple choice answers. You're a student. You go to a certain place for whatever answer is that you've chosen and you follow the trail and you follow the trail and you follow the trail. And like the way that it's set up is that you will keep going back to the questions (laughs) that you need to get right before you can finish the maze. So it's it's kind of like going through a corn maze, except you'll keep getting stuck at the same question over and over and over again until you find your way. There's only one way through all of the questions, and that's through the correct answers. So you'll keep looping back. At first, I was like, how the heck do you even set this up? But then when I saw Abby's examples, I was like, oh, it's actually super simple. You just use the same answers over and over again to get you back to the question where they need to be to keep going forward. So I like to use it if we're going to be doing a big, like with Shakespeare, a big content heavy summative or like something where students are having to do an adaptation project or something like that. And they need to have a really good grasp of the content of a text. We can do a lot of who said it quotes, a lot of sequence of events for the plot and like that kind of questioning, basically the stuff that you would put on a unit test. There's your question trail. I don't really use unit tests, but they work great for question trails for review. They do. Awesome. And it it gets kids moving. And like you could use your library, you could use the quad, you could use the hallways, you could use just your room if you've got space, but it's that same idea of, yeah, it's kind of stations anyways, but it makes them move. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got another one. Okay. Gimme, gimme. I want to talk about reading sprints. I love reading sprints. I forget about them. I, yes. So this is why it's here in this episode. It's one of those, it's not even an oldie. It's, it's just a goodie, but I feel like, so in episode 87, 85, 87, we talk about students reading at home. And my yes, students yes, 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 yes. read at home. And we and Marie's students read at home. We do not read aloud entire novels to our class. If that triggers you, you should go listen to this episode and you can hear more all about that. With that said, I find that this season of transition, a lot of students kind of get lost in their rhythm a little bit. Um, you know, with winter sports ending and spring sports starting and musicals coming down the pike, they're kind of getting a taste of the end is near. It certainly doesn't motivate them to do more at home. Right. <laughs> if any- they get, well, they get silly too. It's spring. They st- start to get all Twitter pated. And like, they remember that they have shoulders that have been covered up all like yeah. winter long. Right? Like, I mean, they yeah. all get the, the hormone soup starts happening too. So like, it's not just activities. It's also their mood changes and their attention starts going different places and they start smelling the flowers again. Yes. I love using reading sprints to bring everyone back to center again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it is time to read in class, but it's purposeful, timed, specific, right? That to me, it makes all the difference between, Hey guys, we're going to just have a reading day because that exact 
sentence has come out of my mouth. And five minutes in, seven minutes in, hey, get off your phone. Hey, hey, I'm like managing all this undesirable behavior, forgetting that I had a strategy that would have curbed all of that. And by the way, I'll throw it in the show notes. I have a tool, like I have a template, I have a slide deck ready to go that you can use. Um, Reading Sprints gives kids that chance to get some reading done, but in a very focused kind of way, a reflective kind of way. And it just, I don't know, it just brings everyone back to center again. And I really like that in the springtime when things are feeling a little bit scattered and like spring break is coming. Like testing is coming. Like you get more of those calendar shifts again. Yeah. Uh, You don't even see everyone all the time again. Like I know we, this is when um, I feel like a lot of my sophomores and juniors were getting, asked to be on like committees for their next year, you know, like for, you know, different kinds of initiatives and programs and things. And there's a lot of sports stuff that like mm-hmm. the eighth grade comes to the high school and like they get walked around. Like there's just a lot of that stuff going on. So I like, I like reading sprints for, you know, getting us all back together again. It, and it also, it just, it helps students overcome some hurdles so that yes. then they can feel like they've got enough stamina or momentum to read at home, right? Yeah, no, it, it bridges the gap really nicely. Um, well, I have I have one more, which is a legit instructional strategy and like practice, which is to take, and, and it's something I do at the very beginning of class that I like to bring back in as it's spring and we're starting to come to a close. It's group writing exercises to brush up on skills. I like at the beginning of teaching a new writing skill to use group writing. So like I mean, I do the true, like, think aloud, watch me do it, watch me, watch me write, write with me as a big group, write as a group, and then write on your own. Then at the end of class, like towards the end of the course, I like to bring back group writing exercises because it helps students re-engage, it helps them remember what they already know in a way that... I don't know what I'm trying to say, it, it, but it, it makes them talk to each other too. So like the way that I'll do a group writing exercise at this point in time is probably pen or pencil to paper, single piece of paper in the middle of four students. And I say, okay, person number one, here's your part of the writing, right? Okay. Rotate papers. Okay. Person number two, here's your part of the writing. And this has to be one cohesive paragraph or one cohesive piece, but it needs to be in everybody's individual handwriting. And so it forces them to talk to each other and to remember the things that they have let slip because we've gotten into like heavier, more involved, like we'll just like do a group writing exercise of an intro paragraph. And it's something that they haven't brushed up on in a minute. And it it makes them really like hone in on the stuff they already know. And it makes then the year end summatives way better. I love that. And it gives me a quarter of the number of paragraphs to give feedback to. I love that. Yeah. Great. And great samples. Like I love, I love like taking, like taking a photo of those and mm-hmm. throwing them on a Google slide deck. And like then the whole class seeing, you know, examples of this examples of that. That's mm-hmm. such a great way to have, you know, even like review, even if you're not like classically reviewing for any of these like types of like exams, if you're doing SAT, ACT, whatever, I think it is a good time to really come back to the basics and see how far we've come. Yeah, totally. I enjoy it. All right, friends, we have uh, come to the end of this first spring cleaning 
little moment. Yeah, we just wanted to give you some ideas to throw in. And like always, the hope is that, yes, you take these ideas and also you're thinking to yourself, oh, you know what? I know how I can put a new coat of paint on this instructional strategy. Like I know how to make this work so that it's actually just a little rejuvenating moment for you, rejuvenating moment for your students, but not more work for you. It's actually refreshing. Well, and here's the great news. We have a voicemail box set up and we would love to hear from you about one of these strategies or a text or something that, you know, is your brain is going, ah, yes, but we didn't talk about it. Share it with us. Share it with the world. We would love to feature you on the podcast sharing this little moment. Absolutely. And if you want to hear us talk about jigsaws this month, make sure you are a member of Brave New Teaching Happy Hour. You should be able to sign up wherever you are listening to this podcast. And if that is not working for you, head to bravenewteaching.com and, uh, join happy hour because we'd love to have you. We're talking sharpen your jigsaw this month. It's going to be great. As always, we love your reviews too. Don't forget. We really, really love to hear what's working for you, how the podcast is helping you because you know, when people search education podcasts, we want to show up in the search, but we also want your reviews to show up so people know what they're getting themselves into. And if they can really get a sense of the community that we have here. Yes, absolutely. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. And we hope you have a wonderful week at school, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 